are at the Friday Night Movie Podcast booth at South by Southwest in the Wonder House, hosted by University of Arizona, with some pretty serious, amazing, amazing artists. You know, we've talked to directors, we've talked to actors, but in, in our show, we love talking about the, the people who are creating the things that you don't necessarily see, and the, one of the things that you literally can't see, although you can maybe feel like you see it, is the sound. And we are here with the team from Immersive Sound, an incredible sound house from Berkeley, California, that has not one but two films in the festival. That is correct. That's amazing. And those films are My Friend Memphis and Diamond Hands. And uh, you've also worked on films that are nominated for Oscars and um, are just wonderful people. We have the, we have the joy of, of knowing you, being that you're Becky's colleagues. And so um, uh, we've got with us Jake Misrock. We've got Michelle. And I'm so, my, your, your last name just jumped out of my head. I, Michelle Holbrook. I, I was going to say Holden, and I, I was like, that is not right. Michelle Holbrook um, and Isaac, I, we just met, so I'm not going to pretend <laughs> I've known your name, but I, I've looked at Michelle's name over and over again on my notes, and I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, Olsen, last name. Ol Olsen. Olsen. Yeah. Olsen, got it. Like Kate and Ashley. Olsen. Okay, got it. Okay. Yep, they're related. Um, uh, this is the Immersive Sound team. Uh, they're incredible artists. And, you know, we want to ask them deep artistic questions about film, but that's not what they're here for, and that's not what you're here for. We actually are going to talk about Boba Fett in the book of Boba Fett, which we haven't really had a chance to break down on the show because Becky and Lily refused to watch it. <laughs> so let's just go around. First, first thing we're going to do is just one-sentence reaction to the show. And I'm going to go, too, since I haven't had my reaction. And... Uh, I'll go to give you a chance to collect your thoughts. And my, my first sent my, my reaction is uh, it reinforces that I don't need to know everything about every character, but I also think it was fine. That's my, that's my summary, and we can ex I'll explain a little bit more later, but Michelle, what did you think? Right, so... I think after, well, okay, is a disappointment in comparison to The Mandalorian. That's a hard, that is a very hard mountain to climb, though, right? Because no one knew anything about the Mando, and it blew our minds. Right. Yeah. So, but it should have, it feels like it should have been, the greatness of The Mandalorian should have been Boba Fett's story, because that's sort of what sparks the intrigue from the, you know, the films, and, well, I'll let everyone share. Okay, that, all right. And then we can get back to it. I like that, okay, thank you. Michelle Holberg, host of Friday Night Movie Podcast. Appreciate it. <laughs> You're doing, this is awesome. I love it. Isaac. I'm sort of on the same level as Michelle. I'm a little embarrassed to say that I only saw the first three episodes of Boba Fett. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, though, and I love Mandalorian. So I don't know how those much. first three were not easy to get through, man. Like uh -huh. one by one, it was like, what? Like, what's happening here? Yeah, like I like what I saw so far. I think Mandalorian drew me in so much more quicker. Um, I don't know how much I can say about the show because I only saw the first three episodes. Okay, it does get better. Okay. Um, all right, Jake. I've been waiting for this for like months. Okay, I've been preparing for you for months. Um, I would say that it was a missed opportunity, but I so appreciate the attempt to break out all of these side characters' stories because the epicness and like 
indefeatable scope of the original Star Wars uh, has so many branches and like outreaching fingers that we all want to know about because the whole world is invented and everyone that makes up that world is a small piece of this incredible place that we're all still obsessed with. So Mandalorian set a very high bar. Boba, I think, could have met that bar, but it missed some of those opportunities, maybe with the casting a little bit, which is also controversial. I know this is supposed to be one sentence, but it's going to be a run-on sentence. It's fine. Um, and uh, some of that CGI stuff, bringing in you know the training, didn't quite hit for me. It was. I. I, I feel like. Uh, I, I'm going to say things that are negative, but I did. I, there are some people who like hated this, and I was like, I was down with it. I, I thought it was cool. It's fine. No hate. Um, but, but it did feel often like the show was uh, cutscenes from a video game, which only really crystallized to me when we got CGI Luke Skywalker. I'm also concerned that they spent all the money on that and the last two episodes, which is why we got the Power Rangers on the Vespas. They were like, we've got to do, we got to do something. All right, let's just dye their hair red and that'll be their modifications. Um, All right, Michelle, let's, let's tease out what you were saying there a little bit more. Right. Okay. So the Mandalorian as a series gives us so much of the mythology of the Mandalorian, the culture, the intrigue that I feel like was initially captured by the character of Boba Fett. Ah. And then when we get to the actual book of Boba Fett, it's sort of a stripped down version. It's not really about the Mandalorian in general, the moral code. It's about like this one person. And I mean, he's not, to me, he's not really relatable. It, 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 and why and why why do you say that? Is it because we've only seen Boba Fett really at two phases of his life, when he's kind of this kid? And I don't know if you watch the animated series, but the the child that's one of the the Clone Wars is amazing. Animated child Boba Fett is unwatchable in my opinion. That is some of the worst stuff in that show. And then you have him as the Boba Fett that we all know. And now you're already at what I what I described actually the other way I would describe the show is like old man Logan Boba Fett. Uh huh. So you're you're not. You're literally not seeing the Boba Fett that we were promised because right. they're showing us Boba Fett in his twilight years becoming somebody totally different, this like samurai type yeah. character. So I, I see what you're saying. At that point, he, he really has no bark uh, or no bite, I guess. He's all bark. I mean, he gets his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I don't, he's not really a threat. I don't really care about his mission. Um, I feel like his his deputy, whose name is escaping me right Fennec now. Sand. She should Fennec be Sand. the one in charge, you know? Yeah, she really knows what's happening. Like she's, she, yeah. I, I would say the two things that he did have going for that they should have capitalized on more is how deep his moral code is, because that's what makes him a likable character, that he, he doesn't take the money. He doesn't want to rule by fear. You know, he wants to rule by compassion and... and so, so I have a question about that. In my mind, the Boba Fett that threw Han Solo in the kryptonite, uh, in the kryptonite, yeah, in the crypt, carbonite, sorry, kryptonite, threw him in kryptonite, yeah, see. Mixed message. He sent him back to Krypton. Um, (laughs) Threw Han Solo in the carbonite was just cold and calculating and maybe had like a long-standing beef with Han Solo. And, and, And so while it was interesting to see him become, like I said, old man Logan, um, I, I was like, oh, he's not a stone cold killer. Would it have worked if they gave us a stone cold killer? 
be better. Or 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 or, or did he have? Does he kind of have to be a good guy? Because ultimately, it's Star Wars, right? Like, it doesn't work. Even when they make you follow Darth Maul in the animated story, they kind of make him sympathetic, and he's a Sith. Yeah, and Vader had a had a soft spot, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe they should have made him tougher. And also the uh, his desert friends that all got murdered. What were they? The Tuscan Raiders. Tuscan Raiders. Tuscans. Like, I thought the big payoff was going to be that through that bond he developed with them, they came and saved his ass when, you know. Oh, that would have been awesome. I loved the, so the Tuscans who you've seen developed over time, right? You see them in uh, Attack of the Clones when, when Anakin shows you the first sign of his willingness to kill women and children. Uh, um, oh. mm-hmm. You learn a little bit more about their culture, but they're, they're seen as very grim in that one and and i i really liked the expanding of their culture it was a bummer to have the culture expanded have the building of the gaffy stick and then have everybody wiped out because how cool it would have been to have him like have tuscans have better relations with the city people yeah for sure that would have been cool all right so we've talked about things we might change Uh let's talk about um let's talk about uh the characters here i'll play a little the signature game of friday night movie is buy rent man are you familiar with the game i think so so i'll present three things you will only be allowed unless you're lily who cheats all the time so you can be the lily to assign one value to each one of them, mm-hmm. okay? Buy, rent, or meh. Buy being the highest, rent being the middle. Meh is whatever you define. It does not have to be negative. There's a secret one called bleh. Oh. So if you wanted to be like, the Vespa gang is a bleh, everyone would agree. But you can, you're not allowed to just use bleh. That's like off-menu Really, yeah, that's off-menu That's exactly right. That's like a real L.A. thing, you know? <laughs> you're San Francisco, so, or, or you know, Bay you Area. To, you go to In-N-Out, and there's yeah. things that you can Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That's the double animal style. Right, exactly. Okay. So, all right, we, we did see some, some really, we did see some new characters. I'm not going to include the Vespa gang. Um, uh, there is uh, uh, Black Kirstan, the Wookiee, um, who was first seen in the comics, by the way, as a bounty hunter when I had the patience to read them. Now, there's too many of them, but when I had the patience to read them at first, you first see him there. But brought to life, I thought, fantastically. Um, Cobb Vanth, who, who returns from The Mandalorian, that's Timothy Oliphant's gunslinging sheriff. Right. And then, spoiler alert, a very short appearance from Cad Bane who was brought to life in the animated series but then put on screen for this for this final duel with Boba Fett um, by renter man those those three characters uh, and you can take a moment to marinate but you also need to go with your gut Isaac you didn't see some of these so I may have ruined some of this show okay. for you just now I'm sorry I know the Timothy Olyphant character though okay yeah. so why don't you go first because it's also fun when people have no idea what the things are <laughs> so one is a one is Kirstan black Kirstan is a is a badass Wookiee bounty hunter uh-huh. with like like cool hair stuff and a huge machine yeah. gun. Yeah. And then Cad Bane, I don't know if you're familiar with Cad Bane. He's this blue alien with big red eyes and a breathing mask. It's like okay. Blue Voldemort. Yeah, okay. Blue Voldemort. Okay. Well, that's like, the where did he come from in the series? Like, have we seen him? So, so he is a he's a great villain in the animated series. Yeah. He's he's introduced as a great bounty hunter villain, and and I think like people were pretty people who were disappointed, which I don't think is necessary at all. They're lucky they got to see him on screen. Was that a he he just didn't last very long but 
they, they also didn't really put into context that at this point in the story, he's like 80 or 90 years old. And like, they, you know, they had to. And I think they're going to work him into the other shows. So everyone, Star Wars World, settle down. All right. So, all right. Buy, rent, or man. Bounty Hunter, you never heard of. Uh, Timothy Oliphant or Cool Wookie. Yeah. So based off the description of the Bounty Hunter, he sounds pretty badass. So I'm going to say buy for him. Buy Cad Bane. All yeah. right. Cool. Um, oh, no, the, the Wookiee. Oh, the Wookiee. The yeah, Wookie. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kurt, Kurt Stan uh, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, rent for Timothy Oliphant. And meh, because I don't know Cat Bane. Okay, cool. And I think, like, all right, that's cool. Let's do a little research on Cat Bane. He's, yeah. he's interesting. Okay. All right. Jake? Uh, I'd go by with the Wookiee. I thought they did a great job making an evil Chewy is yeah. basically yeah. what they did. It's awesome. Yeah. We haven't had another Wookiee in the, sh- in the thing in such a long, ever. And even the sound design, because we are a sound design company, I thought they did an excellent job taking what used to be like the friendly dog chewy sounds and turning them into like a roided up like you know wicked version of that so buy him and then uh i don't know can i just buy them all i liked i liked all the characters i just want to see more of them oh okay all right you're supposed to pick one for each but you can be a lily be a lily that's fine michelle how about you I am going to have an unpopular opinion, I think. No, go for it. I love it. Those are the best kind, as long as you explain it. Okay. So I would buy um, Timothy Oliphant's character. That's not unpopular. I loved him. My you unpopular can... is going to be my meh. Okay. Timothy Oliphant is great. awesome. Let's have... Is, did he die at the end, or is he still alive in the show? Is he in the tube I, at the end? Yeah, he, I think he's in the tube. Uh, I think they're modifying him into some sort of cyborg or whatever. Okay. Timothy Oliphant in Star Wars, I'm on board forever. Yeah. He's great. Uh, it's a throwback to the whole Western thing, which is a great theme throughout Star Wars. So he's my buy. Um, Cad Bane is going to be my rent. I think he's an awesome villain. I think the voice actor is fantastic. Who is the voice actor? I, I wish I knew his name. Okay, I'm going to look it up while we do this. But I, it's fantastic. It was an interesting choice because Cad Bane in the animated series has like a heavy like accent. You know what else that sorry to interrupt? It reminds me of um, No Country for Old Men. That villain, yeah, like uh, with the uh, air gun or whatever. Yeah, it is. just got this super slow. Like I'm just gonna roll up very casually and then kill everybody. Yeah. All right, that's cool. I love that. That's a great case for Cad Bane. That's and awesome. So my meh is the Wookiee. Mm. Why so? That's that is controversial. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he just doesn't hold up to the other two. Not as just not as interesting. But it was cool to see another Wookiee. So the voice actor for Cad Bane is a gentleman named Corey Burton who looks like, as far as I can tell by his credits, is like a prolific voice actor, which I love when they bring in the prolific voice actors. It doesn't always have to be like, a, like we got Vin Diesel. Right. I respect it, fine. You want to have him say, I am Groot, that's great. Yeah. But like... Yeah. It didn't like, have to be Jeremy Irons. Right, like there's, yeah. there's, like, there's, like, there's like people who voice act like who can say, right. I am Groot. Why? Like, so... Um, so that's 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 an awesome choice. Okay, now you are sound designers. I would love to know which sound. Okay, we won't we won't play a game with this because there's too many. But which sound moment or sound did you just Jake just you know explained the Wookie, which is totally wild. But was there sound in it that really spoke to you? That moments where you were like, ah, that's that's that old Skywalker sound, you know, innovation or situating you places moment that's a tough question i wish i would have thought about that ahead of time okay <laughs> that's fine it just if they, but, but if one didn't stand out to you like that also says something 
Yeah, I mean the score really stands out for me. Did you like it? I love it. Yeah. Ooh, we're gonna get we're gonna get, have different opinions on that. Okay. All right. Well, let's yeah. go, score. Look for our audience, sound design and score like they're not that different, right? Right. I know they are to you guys, but let's fine. Let's let's go into score. What do you think of the score? I think it sort of has like a haunting uh, motif to it, which I really enjoy. I think especially throwbacks to the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, that the, the like um, oh god, Sergio Leone's guy. Who's the guy who did? the music for Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and... Yeah, are you Googling it? Yeah, we should all know the name, but it's it's escaped And your Morricone. Yeah, there we go. Oh. Yeah. yeah, God bless you, Isaac. Thank <laughs> you. Um, all right, Isaac, what do you think about the score? Um, you know, I don't remember too much of the score for those first three episodes, but as far as the sound goes, I know I liked the specific characteristics of his armor when he's being attacked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The, like the, like, the... Um, the deflections and yeah, things like that. Yeah, just how, like, you know, like, nobody can penetrate his armor. And that's what scares people, too. Like, you know, when you see, when people see him wear that armor, they're not, you know, going to mess with him. That's that's very cool. All right, Jake, score, because you gave us sound already. All right, so score, Mandalorian. They brought in, uh, I'll probably mispronounce his name, Ludwig uh, Gorenson. Okay. And he's amazing. And the themes that he wrote for Mando and for um, Grogu, fantastic. He brought in... Uh, bass recorder as his primary instrument to play some of these themes, which I've never heard in any score ever. I thought it was just oh. nailed. I, so this is like a giant version of the recorder oh, my kids take home from school? It's like, like the equivalent of a baritone sax, but for recorders. It's huge. It's probably three feet tall. That's Everything about that is yeah. amazing. That could be in Star Wars. That could be like the band. I want to see... Yeah, you like know. the band in the, in the cafe when they're yeah. playing it. Um, I Drew McCool probably has one in Yeah, his. I immediately bought a bass recorder off of eBay or something as soon as that score came out because it was so good. But they outsourced the score for the second season for Boba. It's not the same composer. So they brought in Ludwig to write some of the themes. But I think that part of what made the Boba series not hit so hard is that they didn't have the same caliber of, like, fulfilling out the score as on the first season. And the score was a lot of the energy. There was a little bit of a feeling like Mando was the pilot and now they're going to sort of do some facsimiles kind of feel, which mm-hmm. I, I just don't think ever should be allowed with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know they, there's budget things and all of that, but, like, you, you, you can't mess around with that kind of thing. Do they have budget constraints at Disney? Does that is that even a thing? Shouldn't, well... I mean, maybe uh, we've we've had some experiences in that, but that's, that's that our NDA. I can't talk about. It. So um, what I will say is, like, if you bring in John Williams to write the score for the first three Star Wars, and then you bring in someone else, the film is not going to feel the same. Yeah, I think Ludwig did a great job with the rebuilding of these new these new stories books, but. Um, yeah, I think I think we lost it in the score a little bit for Boba. Oh, okay, interesting. All right. So it's Michelle, like, a counterpoint? Well, no, I mean, I think my favorite parts are the echoes back to the Mandalorian score. Ah, okay. Um, but at some point, it must be overwhelming to now have all these different offshoots for John, um, who's the director's name? Oh, Favreau. John Favreau. So is he able to give that same level of attention to I, I mean, yes. I, 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 so I am a believer in Favreau, all right? I think Favreau is such an interesting filmmaker because I don't love, I don't think all of his things are hits, right? Like Iron Man 2, which isn't really his fault, is like a total disaster. But from the ashes of Iron Man 2 comes 
a lot of the stuff that becomes the Avengers. And so I, I do think like part of the Marvel model, which is playing out in the Star Wars thing, is a little bit that they'll like, they'll they'll drop a Thor to the dark world on you and you'll be like, eh, or an Iron Man too. But then there'll be a few things in that that they're like, oh, okay, so we had a test balloon up. People really like Kirstan. All right. We're gonna see more of him now, and then suddenly. So I'm hoping that like what Favreau does, like Favreau might adapt well. Um, uh, it would. It's odd though. Maybe they rushed Boba Fett. I don't know. Like maybe they were like, oh shit, everyone loves us. We gotta do a Boba Fett movie, a uh, show, and he wasn't able to pay attention. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I know some people online because Robert Rodriguez was the director of of the pilot, I believe, the of, first episode, of the right? first yeah. episode, and. You know, I, Robert Rodriguez is like, for me, iconic action director of the 90s. I mean, you think of Desperado and El Mariachi, like these are, you know, even the first three Spy Kids movies, like this is just a guy who I think is, and he is a massive Star Wars fan. Huge, huge, huge Star Wars fans. Lucas, he he used a lot of, I believe, the digital technology and stuff that Lucas was experimenting with. The prequels, Rodriguez would then use in like the Spy Kids movies. So like he's, but a lot of people, that I was watching online were just going after him. And I, I didn't know he made it, but I did feel like the action, like, it didn't pop the way you'd expect Rodriguez's action to pop. Um, and so I, I wonder, I, I don't know, there, that maybe there was, maybe they didn't have the chemistry, Favreau, and, and you know, I don't know. I bet, I bet they were, I bet they forced restraint on him. Because part of the thing that was great about Mando was the, the, um, the restraint and the pacing. You know, mm-hmm. it was so much about slow character development. These these books are not, I think, built to be action. They're built to be these like um, portrait pieces, right? Of like internal uh, strife and personal struggles and overcoming your baggage and your trauma. And so, I think what was cool about Mando was that it was not action based. They they feather it in and then you bring in the super villains towards the end. But um, maybe he. He was maybe he had his hands pinned a little bit. He couldn't bring the mm-hmm. big action. It seems like they almost were aware that it wasn't hitting the same way because it's so strange to me to have the first four episodes. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I, so perfect, high. perfect lead-in. Take us to it. Yeah. Uh, is just you know Boba Fett's not even in it at all. Is right. He? No, they have him at the beginning. He goes to, like, lunch with, like, the mayor of the town, and then, boom, two episodes of The Mandalorian in the yeah. middle of the Book of Boba yeah. Fett. I feel like the focus groups were saying, like, Mando is better. Go back right. to that. Yeah, where's, they're like, wait, where's Baby Yoda? Yeah. What yeah, the hell? Yeah, where's, where's Grogu? We, you know, um, one of the sound designers at our company bought a uh, Grogu Chia pet. Like, that was a really big gift for last, you know, holiday and uh, that's what people want to see. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I had this really intellectually stimulating exchange with a fellow on Twitter. His name escapes me right now. But I, I went after, I think, one of the big, spoiler alert again, one of the big moments, character moments, in the most significant thing that happens in the book of Boba Fett is Luke Skywalker giving Grogu the choice between being a Jedi and not being a Jedi because his heart's not in it. And I, because I'd spent, and this is a classic Star Wars fan mistake, I'd spent like a year being like, oh my God, Grogu's going to be a secret hidden Jedi. And then he and Rey are going to team up in the future. And that's what our next movies are going to be. It's going to be the two of them. And then we're going to see like an old badass Grogu. Like I had built this whole thing. And then he's like there for like a couple of weeks and and Luke's like, his heart's not in it. And then Luke giving him this rather binary choice. And... And then this fellow on Twitter came back at me in a really intellectually sound way and said, he said, you know, 
This is Luke learning how to be a Jedi Master. That's number one. Number two, on a gut level, if Luke knew he didn't want to be a Jedi, the disaster of trying to force someone to be a Jedi could be catastrophic. And so he was understanding that. But then you're also seeing the lead up to The Last Jedi, which I have tremendous issues with, but what I will allow for is if they fill in story between here and there and earn whatever happened in The Last Jedi a lot more, then I, I, okay, I'll buy it. But I, I don't want to see Luke finally being a Jedi Master and just sucking out of the gate. And so that's what I had a hard time with, but I, this other explanation about Luke just trying to find his way and do the right thing by Grogu, but then I also felt like it kind of negated that final scene, that scene of end of season two is like the coolest thing I've seen in Star Wars since I was a kid. Luke comes in, blah, 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 takes Grogu away from the Mando. The Mando takes off his helmet to let him go. And then like, I guess maybe the focus groups are like, what the hell? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope they don't keep investing time and money into Luke. Like, I don't want a whole series of... Uh, of CGI. It just doesn't I, play as much. I, I don't want to CGI Luke. I think back the truck of money up to Sebastian Stan's house. That guy is unbelievable. Everything he's in, he's a tremendous actor. Mark Hamill has endorsed it. Let's let's do a, here's my pitch, okay? An old man, young man, kind of one of those, you know, sometimes they tell the story. There's like the old guy telling the story and the young man telling the story. Let's put Luke on the planet where he's meditating where he's been shut off from the force. Let's give us a view into that time. Let's, you know, Ryan Johnson dropped this turd on us. Let's turn it into lemonade mm -hmm. and have him be out there as old Luke so you can have Hamill, who I think is acting better than he ever has. And then let's just put Sebastian Stan in the outfit and have him train Jedis and meet Mara Jade and fall in love and, ha you know, maybe build us towards Kylo Ren killing Mara Jade, which would make him much more similar to his father and why he would cut himself off from the force. I'm not going to go to the dark side, but I'm going to just cut myself off from the force. Like, that I could do, but I, I do agree. CGI Luke, why do it? They're, they're actually, unlike Harrison Ford, you have an actor that is sitting right there on contract in the Disney world. Mm -hmm. And also, um, this is going to be extra controversial, but in the millions of Batman films that have ever been made, they just keep changing the primary actor and they get to keep telling a story. Just find some other great young Luke. I mean, they even did it in, what was it, episodes four, five, and six, or um, when they brought in What's-His-Face that did a terrible job. Uh, Christian... Uh, Hayden Christensen? Hayden Christensen. Uh, no. Wait, that's... Was it... The Darth Vader? Young yeah. Anakin? Yeah, Young Anakin, Christian... I, I think he's a good actor, and I think he was fed terrible lines. Okay, fair but I, I, I think, and he's going to reprise Darth Vader in the oh, in the Obi Wan show. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what everybody's saying. So we're going to see that, right. which I'm very excited for. But just bring in a new Luke. Just who cares? You know, just. Uh... I mean, it has to. It has to be the right one with the right story. Did you see Solo? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Alden Echenrach or whatever his name is was bad. I, I don't like, but the movie was. Ooh, like, just a lot of... Again, like, I love the Alien movies. I think Alien itself is a perfect movie. And I loved Prometheus for... I know it's, like, also controversial. But ultimately, I do walk away with the lesson of maybe it's better we just don't know certain things. Like, we just don't need to know certain prequel things. All right, what you, what'd, what'd you think about the choice? Um, Grogu's choice. And, and just inserting that into the story. Michelle, I'm asking Michelle for those listening. 
I mean, I think it was very sweet. Like, that's that's what you hope for with the relationship between Mando and Grogu. Like, but I have to say, like you said, leading up to that, like, Luke's training, he's terrible. Like, why is he such a dick? You know what I mean? Like, I guess Yoda was a real dick to him, too. And so if you look at all the, like, like Yoda and Obi-Wan, they're, like, constantly messing with him. Like, I'm going to shoot lasers with you with a blindfold and yeah, that's talking riddles and <laughs> tell. Um, but the other thing that also is weirds me out about it is that Luke, and this is like a just flaw in the whole way they've evolved the Jedi's. Luke saved Darth Vader with his familial connections, the love of his friends, the love of his father, the belief in his father. This idea that Luke is suddenly, excuse me, now telling someone no personal connections. Yeah. Just... It's ne never fully computed to me that that would be his conclusion after everything he did. Because he defied Yoda, Obi-Wan, and did well. So, anyways, I'm not 100% I'm not sure. Okay, let's take it to the grand finale scene. All right. Um, the riding of the Rancor. Oh, gosh. Boba Fett. First of all, he gets to hang out with Danny Trejo, a regular of a Rodriguez film, and he befriends a rancor. And you knew it was coming, right? You knew something was coming with that rancor, right? Becky always says, you know, the, it refers to, you know, show me a gun in the first act, and it better be in the third act. Show me a rancor training scene in the first half of Boba Fett. Someone better be riding that thing at the end. Um, impressions, Jake? I loved it. I mean, it's like the, the age-old battle of... Um the machines versus natural predators. The, the kaiju versus titan yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, the battles of, uh, I don't know. Yeah, so I really enjoyed that part. That's awesome. Isaac? I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Oh, okay, all right. Well, what do you think? Boba Fett riding a rank, or are you on board with that? <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm down okay. with that. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. I am more with Michelle on this one. It is absurdly <laughs> cool, right, on one level. But it's also like that moment in Avengers Endgame that it, I know it landed with other people, but when Captain America holds the damn hammer and like they just want to show you that shot of Captain, someone like drew an awesome fan picture. And they're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we saw Boba Fett, right? But, but, but it, they did give, they earned it in terms of the story. I, I thought the like, uh, the, what's it called? The uh, King Kong. It was so King Kong. Oh, that's true. That that part just, I, I know they did, couldn't make rancors like that in the olden days, but it was very King Kong, and that was a little odd. Also, were the battle droids that strong in the in the war? That these battle droids were like unstoppable battle droids. That's true. But just from a physics standpoint. Uh oh. <laughs> I love it. I love the Rancor, and it's so cool, but there's just no way Boba Fett will be able to stay on him. Oh, okay. Right? Are, are, do you ride, have you, are you a rider of animals? Is no. that, oh, okay. I thought maybe you were gonna be like, yeah, I mean, I've, I've ridden many rhinos and <laughs> bipedal I would, animals. I would buy that the Rancor was trained, but I don't think we need to see Boba Fett on him to believe that. It just seemed ridiculous to me. I was like, there, you would never be able to stay on him. Okay, all right. I like that. But it would have been so underwhelming if he did it. Like, how else could you have the hero, like, leaping over buildings? I mean, I guess they could have just, got, you know, unleashed the Rancor on his L own. Like like the Hulk. 
Yeah. Like a Hulk smash situation. Yeah. Just have him come in and tear everything apart. All right. Okay. All right. So the book of Boba Fett, uh, this has been an amazing, long overdue conversation with the team from Immersive Sound, Michelle Holbrook, Isaac Olson, and Jake Mizrock. Before we head on out, one of the great traditions on Friday Night Movies is to hear your recommendations and your shout-outs. And this can be to anything that you're watching, interested in. Um, it, it, of course, people should see Diamond Hands and my friend uh, Memphis, um, which I have not seen those, but I have talked to people who have seen my friend Memphis, and they loved it. They thought oh, it was great. fantastic. And I bragged about knowing you all afterwards. Uh, um, and then, uh, uh, and then um, uh, Diamond Hands was wild. Like very, you gotta see Diamond Hands. I've never seen a doc quite like it. It's very fun. That's awesome. So, what what are your shoutouts and recs? Right now, we're watching Severance. Oh, we started that. Allie's like not super into it, so she, I can only get her to watch one every one, one an episode like every few days, and and but she's not released it for me to be able to finish it on my own. So just sort of like waiting for more to happen. That's wild, though, right? It's so interesting. I haven't seen anything like it. It's slow for sure, but it's got me. I'm, I'm hooked. The production design is so wild. It is. They did an amazing job there. Isaac, how about you? Two shows. Um, one's on sci-fi. It's called Resident Alien. I don't know if you've seen it. Resident Alien, I talk about this regularly. I think it is the most beautiful study of humanity on television right yeah. now, period. Oh yeah, and it is also like hilarious. Mm -hmm. uh, that actor is hilarious at his role. Alan Tudyk. It was, yeah. he was born to play that role. Yeah, yeah. So season one was last year. Season two started what a couple weeks ago. Season two's or been amazing. Ago. Yeah. Um, the other show is which blew up a lot this year, which I never saw until this year. I didn't even see season one until this year. But uh, Euphoria. Like if you're a fan of cinematography and directing, and acting, and lighting. People have talked a lot about Euphoria here in particular, and I'm like, there's something I feel I I haven't I'm nervous about watching it. Is that a fair thing? It yeah, seems no, like it causes yeah. people a lot of anxiety. It, it'll hit different people different ways because there's so many different topics and subjects it covers. But in the scope of things, like great acting, great storytelling, and I think a lot of the episodes were shot on like film, which is oh, pretty that's dope. wild. Yeah, and like you can tell by the look of it and everything. Sound design's great, editing's great, look. Yeah, color's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And Zendaya's just, Zendaya, just set your watch for when she's going to win her Oscar. She's fantastic. At some yeah, point, yeah. it's going to happen. Zendaya's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. All right, Jake. Uh, for me, the show that is just, uh, it's like one of those shows that comes along and feels like it changes your life a little bit. Oh, I love that. Um, is Raised by Wolves. And oh, wow. Okay. Tell me more. First of all, did it get canceled or does it still exist? Uh, the newest season just started. Okay, because Raised by Wolves was one where, like, I am not getting into that if I don't know it's going to have an ending because, like, I can't start something that looks that complex and then, like, never know who raised the wolves. I mean, I don't know. I'm making... Uh -huh. I don't know what the question is of the show. Yeah, no wolves involved, but it's... Uh, I would say... Probably like my top three favorite TV shows of all time. Wow. That's okay. Really amazing. So here's a Raised by Wolves question. It's Ridley Scott, right? Yep. Is it in the same universe as Alien, or is it is it just sort of Alien adjacent? I've never seen anything like it. It's it's much more about. It's more in the world of Terminator. It's more like the future of AI, mm. and how that will both save and destroy humanity. 
and it's 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 fantastic. And the score, I, you know, as a composer, I'm a sucker for a good score. Ben Frost is one of the two composers on it, and it's one of the best scores. And he also did the score for Dark, which is an excellent show on Netflix. Oh, very um, cool. And he's really brought something special to uh, TV and film scoring in the last five or ten years. That's really really cool. All right, so here's my recommendation for you all. Huh? So we saw a film here called I Get Knocked Down. It is the story of Chumbawamba, the band, wow. yeah. as told by Dunstan Bruce, the he the core member, the singer, the guy who sang I Get Knocked Down, right? The guy who sang Tug Thumping. And it's told in a way I haven't seen a doc told because there's a lot of acting in it because a lot of the film is him talking to alter egos of himself, processing having been this, because you know, I don't know if you know that they were like this anarchist, insane, revo like commune living, socialist, anti-government, yeah. like, cri yeah, like we know the pop song, and then they became super famous, and, and so it's just about him trying to kind of like find his way, but it's shot beautifully, the music is really fun to dig into, nobody, I mean, unless you're a weirdo like me who went to see them in the 90s, and then you were like, Holy moly, this band is not the band I thought they were. Um, uh, it, it's really, it's really cool. It's really cool. I think both as folks who make docs and as people who like love music, but also it's just a great, it's really cool. And he was at the screening when we saw it and I got to tell him about the time I saw his uh, show in Montreal. And I was like, it wasn't what I expected. And it was very cool. So, Is it uh, streaming online or is it going to be out? Well, it's here at the festival now, and then I assume at some point someone's going to get it because it's it's been out. It didn't premiere here, actually. It, it had a screening here, but I think it's been around. Uh, so I think it'll be a matter of time because this is it's, it's a very cool. It's really... Ali kept looking at me being like, is this a documentary? I can't really tell because he's acting, but he's also telling this. It was, it was, it was very neat. Um, all right. Uh, immersive sound or individuals how would you all like to be followed do you want to be followed on instagram or twitter or anything? i know immersive sound has a social media right M i m r s v at i m r s v um but anywhere else jacob uh, jake jacob jake you can call me whatever we, you want shy um yeah we're around on social media not super duper active but uh you know we got websites and we got social accounts okay cool but you don't have like a personal one you want people to I mean, I do. I post some of my scoring stuff on, uh, I think my, my handle's XOJ, but Jake Bloomfield, Mr. X, my full name's fine cool. there. Isaac. Uh, yeah, I got an Instagram. Not too active on it, but it's Isaac87O, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Isaac87, those really mysterious <laughs> handles. I am not a big social media person. Good for you. Michelle's, Michelle's like, just follow Immersive Sound. Well, thank you all for being here. For our listeners, you can follow us, of course, at Friday Night or at FridayNightMovie.com or FridayNightMoviePod.com. Huge thank you to the University of Arizona for hosting us here at the Wonder House at South by Southwest. Our theme music is by What Does It Eat? And a huge thank you to our guests, Jake Misrock, Isaac Olson, Michelle Holbrook from Immersive Sound. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Chad. Thank you. Thank you.